Hey everybody, welcome to the Scripture Study Project, our podcast dedicated to helping you discover the scriptures in a fresh way, invest your mind and heart into your personal study, and connect to God in your everyday life. Uh, I am Zach, Krista is taking this week off, but I am joined by one of my absolute best friends uh, and guest on this episode, uh, Brother Daniel Scott McKinley. Dan, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Honored to be here. Uh, Dan and I, Dan's been on the podcast before, but for those of you that are hearing him for the first time, I wanted to let Dan just kind of introduce himself and uh, anything he wants to say about himself or his family, and then uh, and then we'll dive in. So, Dan, tell the good listeners about yourself. Oh, man. From Leighton, Utah. Currently live in Plano, Texas. We moved here a year ago. It is hot and humid, and... Uh, what else do you want to know? I'm married to Jesse. She's amazing. We've got five terribly crazy children who are really awesome, but take up a lot of energy and patience. And um, that's probably it. Zach asked me a long time ago, what chapter in the Book of Mormon do you want? I said, Alma 36, because I'm a huge thinner and I love this chapter. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Just get that well, out. Well, I'm excited too. Um, and I mean, this is this has to be one of the like hallmark chapters of the Book of Mormon. I, I know for a lot of people, and so uh, I'm glad that you're on because I think we'll, as we were talking earlier, some of the perspectives and thoughts that you have, I think, are are enlightening and enlivening, enlivening if that's a word for people, and I think you're going to make a big difference. So, um, here's the setup and kind of where we're going. Um, Alma 36. So the last episode we did, we ended in Alma chapter 35, Alma and Amulek and his uh, sons, at least a couple of them, on their mission to the Zoramites. Um, Some of the Zoramites are converted and they leave with Alma and the others back to the land in the suburbs of Zarahemla. Uh, And we ended in chapter 35 with a war brewing. If you remember, uh, the Zoramites that weren't converted are angry at the Zoramites that did convert. And so they write to the Lame, or to the Nephites, tell the Nephites to kick out the Zoramites that are living with them now. The Nephites, of course, refuse. And the Zoramites mix together with Amulonites and Amalekites, and they start making this war that will become the war chapters. And before any of that happens, Mormon drops in these letters, these epistles um, that Alma gives to his sons, chapters 36 all the way through 42, to Helaman, to Shiblon, and to Coriantum. Um, and I think putting these chapters in the midst of this physical war helps frame these chapters in kind of a spiritual warfare um, where Alma's trying to uh, either recall his sons from sin or protect them against future sin or just to strengthen them um, in terms of, of coming, not just physical battles, but spiritual battles. And so I love how chapter 36 begins because you can sense Alma's emotion of all the sermons he's ever given, all the missions that he's been on. He traveled thousands of miles and years and years of his life. Uh, But this is his ultimate passionate personal sermon. And you can tell because he starts verse one by saying, my son, give ear to my words, for I swear unto you that inasmuch as you shall keep the commandments of God, you shall prosper in the land. I would that you should do as I have done in remembering the captivity of our fathers, for they were in bondage and none could deliver them except it was the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And he surely did deliver them in their afflictions. And now, O my son Helaman, behold, thou art in thy youth 
and therefore I beseech of thee. It means plead that thou wilt hear my words and learn of me. For I do know that whosoever shall put their trust in God shall be supported in their trials and their troubles and their afflictions and shall be lifted up at the last day. I love that emotion. And so in these sermons, we get doctrines and principles from Alma's own life that he is deeply passionate about and that he wants to convey with all of his heart and soul to his son. Um, The question we want to ask diving in I want to phrase in these terms. This is chapter 37, verse 9, still to Helaman. And he's talking about taking care of the plates. He's going to pass the plates down to Helaman and trying to help Helaman understand the need to keep the plates polished and take care of them. And so that's what this verse is about. But I love the phrase. He says in verse 9, I say unto you, were it not for these things, and then he goes on to explain, if we didn't have these plates, then this is what wouldn't have happened. But that phrase, were it not for these things, he's pointing to something so small but that makes a huge difference. Um, And I think the question that we could ask ourselves as we study this, and the question we'll give a couple of answers to in this episode is, what are the truths about Jesus Christ and his atonement that Alma's going to share with his son Helaman that um, we need to know, that we should be personally passionate about for our own repentance sake, uh, and or what truths Or what are the truths that if it weren't for these truths, if it weren't for these details, we might get the atonement, our understanding of the atonement wrong. We might get it, we might get our understanding of repentance wrong. What are the truths that are so key and so important that we just can't miss them? If we want to get this whole um, repentance, um, turning to Christ thing right, what are the truths that we absolutely have to get? And so with that long, wordy, jumble of a question. Uh, Dan, we'll turn it over to you. What's, what are your thoughts? Well, I love the question. Were it not for these things, so what things do we really, really need? You and I have been in front of lots of teenagers. I wonder if you've had a similar experience. Um, on multiple occasions, I've had students say, Brother McKinley, what's the worst thing you've ever done? Has anyone ever said that? Brother Horton, what's the worst thing you've ever done? <laughs> I get a little uncomfortable, right? Like, uh, do you really want to know this? And, and I've never answered. Um, I, I think I, I say something like, oh, thank heavens for the atonement, right? I, I love Jesus who has cleansed me. And I don't have to answer that because if we really believe it, it's as if I had never done it, right? Well, Alma doesn't take that approach. Alma's going to lay out some of the things that he did in his quote unquote former life, right? Um, if you look, if you're going to start chapter 36, um, verse six, for I went about with the sons of Mosiah seeking to destroy the church of God. Um, fast forward to, oh man, I really should have marked these, uh, verse 14, Yea, I had murdered many of his children, or rather led them away unto destruction. And in fine, so great had been my iniquities, the very thought of coming into the presence of God did rack my soul with inexpressible horror. Uh, He's going to lay out a couple very serious sins for his son, Helaman, right? Um, He's not going to glance over it or gloss over it and say, yeah, I was a pretty big sinner. I'm grateful for the atonement. He's going to lay it out and tell his son why he needs Jesus. Uh, The depths that he had gone in his sinning and maybe setting it up for 
the this this hand of the Savior to reach down so far, and it still is enough to get him Alma, who had murdered people, uh, led them away to destruction. But Jesus is going to reach down so low and still lift him out of this dark, dark place that he's in. And I I love the description that he's going to uh, use for this process that he goes through. And if were it not for this process, I just think we'd be missing out on a lot. Some real gritty, uh, vulnerable things that Alma has to say. I love that. I'm, I'm looking at verse five, right when he starts telling Helaman this, uh, he says, behold, I say unto you, if I had not been born of God, I should not have known these things. In other words, these truths, these powerful truths about repentance can only come to someone that repents, yeah. right? You only know how good Jesus is if you actually call out to him to save you. If you never do that, then you never know how good he is and how merciful he is and how powerful he is. And I love the end of that verse. Uh, but God has by the mouth of his holy angel made these things known unto me, not of any worthiness of myself. I did not earn the knowledge that I have. It comes just because God is so good and reaches mm -hmm. down and saves me. We were talking before we recorded about just the need maybe in the church culturally to be a little bit more open with our humanity. And um, and I love that. Like you said, I love that humility and that and that reality yeah, absolutely. So can we talk a little bit more about this process that he goes through? I know, I guess I know that you've taught you've taught me this. We want to be careful about the process, the repentance process, right? Mm. I don't think he's saying here are the steps to repent, right? He's just saying this is what it was like for me. I pray to God you don't have to go through this, right? But mm -hmm. if anyone does, let me just tell you what it was like. Um, I don't know what verses you want to start on, but I want to start in verse 12. Um, Alma says this, But I was racked with eternal torment, for my soul was harrowed up to the greatest degree and racked with all my sins. I think of my own past, right? I got a, I got a lot of sins. And to be racked and harrowed up with all of my sins, that would be a terrible, mm. terrible thing. Um He's going to go on, verse 13, I did remember all my sins and iniquities for which I was tormented with the pains of hell. Um, verse 15, oh, thought I that I could be banished and become extinct both soul and body that I might not be brought to stand in the presence of my God to be judged of my deeds. And now for three days and for three nights was I racked even with the pains of a damned soul. Um, maybe a slight side note. Uh, for 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 the sins of his magnitude, when you're thinking three days of repentance, you might hear the process. I'm doing air quotes right now and think three days is not enough. Isn't it a year? You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. just, I don't think we get it, right? He is he is repenting. Period. An exclamation mark. Um, and he is he's racked, and this is just a very personal thing for him, and. People are going to repent in their own ways, right? For Alma, it's going to be three of the worst possible days imaginable. For others, it may be longer or shorter, but we don't know their hearts and we don't know their communication with God and their repentance process. And, and I, I, I'm grateful. Were it not for this, um, I may put repentance in a little box 
and and think it has to be done a certain way. So I'm really grateful mm-hmm. for that experience. And... I've always loved the actions that he takes when he finally starts to turn around. I remembered to have heard my father prophesy. That's the first thing he says he does to kind of change this around. And then he says, my mind caught hold on this thought. So I remembered that I caught hold and then I cried within my heart, oh, Jesus, thou son of God, have mercy on me. And, and that's the actions that he takes um, once he feels this, this pain. And so I, I love his detail. I just, I love what you're bringing up here about Alma's complete transparency of what's happened to him. And maybe there's a place for that in our own lives and in our own families and in our own cultural circles to be more open about both the, the sins, the problems, and the the process of repentance, the process of growth. I don't know. Um, a year ago, I had a student say, Brother McKinley, I just don't like praying the way that I've been taught to pray with the thee and the thou. And I just don't feel close to God when I do that. Do you have any, like, am I okay to not pray like that? And I said, well, look at Alma 36 and you've got verse 18, which is one of my all-time favorite verses, right? As my mind caught hold upon this thought, I cried within my heart, O Jesus, thou son of God. Have mercy on me, who am in the gall of bitterness and am encircled about by the everlasting chains of death. Now, you could argue and say, well, he's maybe he's not praying. Maybe he's just pleading with the Savior to free him of this and um, take this guilt from his heart and uh, snatch him, in his own words, snatch him from hell, right? Um, I told this girl, I said, one of my most all-time memorable prayers and most heartfelt prayers um, was very few words. And in the in the spirit of transparency, I was having some morality issues um, in college. And I called one of my good friends at home and I said, hey, can you give me the bishop's number? And he, uh, he said, sure. And I was crying at the time. He could tell I was crying and he gave me the bishop's number. Um, I was off. I was outside of Utah, so I wasn't going to a student ward or any ward for that matter. And and he said, "Good luck." And he gave me the bishop's number. I called my bishop and I I told him what was going on. And I was just I had lost it. I was crying and and I said, "Bishop, can you please pray for me?" Um, and he says, "Yeah, let's say a prayer." And I said, "Awesome." And he goes, "But no, I'm not going to say it. You say it." And I said, "I said, no, 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 no. I cannot pray right now." And he says, "I'm sorry. You've got to say the prayer." And the only thing that came out between my sobs and every all I said was, God, please help me. And that was it. And I cried and I cried. And he just said, I think you're going to be okay. And he hung up and that was it. Um, and so were it not for this, were it not f- for the knowledge that we know God hears prayers, the heartfelt prayers. It doesn't matter what they sound like. It doesn't matter our wording. Uh, Jesus, thou son of God, have mercy on me. I'm in a bad place and I need you, right? Were it not for this, I think we'd be we'd be lost. And I'm grateful for that knowledge too. I hadn't thought of this, but, um, you know, he'll tell, um, how is it? Is it Shiblon? So it's in chapter 38. I've never piece this together, but, um, you know, he tells Shiblon, uh, the very end of his letter to him, don't pray like the Zoramites, 
Uh, you've seen how they pray to be heard of men, to be praised for their wisdom. Don't say, God, I thank you that I'm better than my brethren, but say, Oh Lord, forgive my unworthiness and remember my brethren in mercy. Yea, acknowledge your unworthiness before God at all times. And may the Lord bless your soul and receive you at the last day in his kingdom to sit down in peace. What a great lesson to teach a son. And I, what I'm piecing together listening to you is how linked together uh, this kind of prayer, not the dinner prayer, not the opening closing prayer, but the real kind of gut-wrenching pleading prayer is linked with with repentance. I've said it on the podcast before. My favorite quote is Mother Holland is that quote where he says, it takes as long to repent as it takes you to say, I'll change and mean it. And that's what happens to Alma here, right? I mean, it hurts to say it yeah. is the meaning it hurts, but oh, Jesus, thou son of God, save me. I, I'm, I'm, I need change. That's, mm-hmm. that's really, really cool. Well, Dan, with that incredible foundation, then being real about our sins um, about our mistakes, about our humanity, and then being real with God in this kind of heart-wrenching way. Uh, with that as the foundation of things we need to know and feel about our relationship with God and our relationship with Jesus, um, what else do you see in here that stands out to you as as truths about God or truths about repentance or truths about the atonement that could really make a difference for people? Yeah, um, you see a... You see the flip side, the first set of verses that we've talked about are all about his pain that he's going through. And and after this prayer, after this pleading, uh, you get to verse 19, which really is just the sweetest set of verses. And now behold, when I thought this, I could remember my pains no more. Yea, I was harrowed up by the memory of my sins no more. And oh, what joy and what marvelous light I did behold. Yea, my soul was filled with joy as exceeding as was my pain. That's a hard, that's hard to picture, right? He's in the deepest abyss of pain and guilt and racked with all his sins. And now he's saying that on the flip side, right? Uh, my soul was filled with joy as exceeding as was my pain. As terrible as that was, this is just as good and bright and freeing. Right? Uh, 21, I say unto you, my son, there could be nothing so exquisite and so bitter as were my pains. Yea, and again, I say unto you, my son, that on the other hand, there could be nothing so exquisite and sweet as was my joy. Methought I saw, even as our father Lehi saw, God sitting upon his throne, surrounded with numberless concourses of angels in the attitude of singing and praising their God. Yea, and my soul did long to be there. This is a complete shift. Back in back in the first half, right, all he wants to do is become extinct soul and body so that he doesn't have to see God. Now he longs to be with him. Uh, that's what that's what change will do for us. We're not afraid of God anymore, right? We're, and, and he's never been a mean, cruel, vengeful God. But I think that sometimes when we sin, when when that's when our vision of him has become clouded, we get scared of him. And when we realize that he loves us and wants to help us and the Savior is there pleading for us, all of a sudden we want to be with them. The thought of their presence doesn't scare us. It invites us and it makes us uh, feel safe. And and that's what we want. We want people to feel safe in the presence of their God. And Alma now feel he wants to be with him. And I think that's huge. 
that makes me think of the the Bible dictionary definition that everyone loves of repentance, a fresh view about God and oneself and the world or something like that. But um, that Alma's change isn't just in his willingness to repent of his sins and to go about preaching righteousness and to be a changed person, but it's also a change in the way that he views God. Not that God has changed. God didn't change from being a vengeful, punishing God to a merciful God all of a sudden, but Alma's view of him changed. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, Okay, let me ask you this. So I've got this quote, Elder Scott, back in 2004, October 2004 conference, Peace of conscience, peace and uh, and peace of mind, and I'll skim it. But basically, he's saying, um, if you're one who cannot forgive yourself for serious past transgressions, even when a judge in Israel has assured that you have properly repented, if you feel compelled to continually condemn yourself and suffer by frequently recalling the details of past errors, I plead with all my soul that you ponder this statement of the Savior. And he's going to quote DNC fifty eight. Uh, he was repentant of his sins, the same as forgiven, and I, the Lord, remember them no more. By this you may know if man repented of his sins, he will confess them and forsake them. Um, <clears throat> and he's going to go on, but here's here's the crux of it all. I testify that when a bishop or a stake president has confirmed your repentance is sufficient, know that your obedience has allowed the atonement of Jesus Christ to satisfy the demands of justice for the laws you have broken. Therefore, you are now free. Please believe it to continually suffer the distressing effects of sin after adequate repentance, while not intended, is to deny the efficacy of the Savior's atonement in your behalf. Um, apart from being one of my favorite quotes, um, confession, I struggle with this. I struggle with letting things go that I have completely taken care of. Um, but I guess maybe, I don't know if it's a question for you, Zach, or just something to think about, but why is it that some people can talk about the past like it's in the past, right? And it's it's no big deal, and they've learned from it. They are who they are today because of it. And some people like me talk about the past in a really hard way, and it's it's hard for me to look at. I feel guilty. I feel bad. I feel like... Uh, man, I let so many people down and I hurt so many people. And here I go again, reliving these things. And um, how do we do this, right? Leave it in the past and let it be done. I don't know. That's, that's a good question because I struggle with the same thing. And I I don't know. I mean, one answer, at least that comes to my mind, that, that verse that Elder Scott quoted is one of my favorites about repentance, but only if it's read right. So I, the Lord, will forgive whom I will forgive. Um, and then he says, by this you may know if a man repenteth of his sins. Behold, he will confess them and forsake them. And if read the wrong way, meaning if you read it in reverse order, you come away thinking, well, in order to repent of my sins, I need to confess them and forsake them. And only then can I repent. But that's not what the verse says, right? By this you may know if someone has repented of their sins. Behold, he will confess them and forsake them. In other words, confessing and forsaking is a sign of change. And so part of it, and, and especially if we understand change, not just to mean I've changed that part of me that sins, but I'm changing who I am. As I've come to grapple with this myself, I realize, you know, there are my sins that I need to stop doing. Um, and But I also need to change this part of myself that thinks that sin needs to be hidden or shied away from or buried or that it's embarrassing. Um, you know, we were talking before, but a couple of years ago in the state that I lived in, we had some stake leaders 
that very deliberately talked about some of their specific wrestles with specific sins. And these weren't when I was a teenager, I had these problems. It was, I'm an adult man and here's what I'm struggling with. And I, I felt so liberated to hear someone I looked up to and admire talk about the fact that they're struggling right now, just like I am. And I wonder if part of the change we need to go through in really turning to Jesus is just opening up and, and all of us, every one of us saying, man, I, I, I need Jesus every day and I need to change this. I need to change that. And, and just being open about it. I don't know, but that's the, that's kind of the journey that I'm on. What do you think? It is such a fine line, isn't it? Um, because I know I'm not Alma, right? Um, and we want to share things that are, um, that the spirit constrains us to share. And there's a lot of things that we're not constrained to share for good reasons. And we don't want to get in the way. And and we don't want to, I don't want to stand in front of my classes and say, well, here's my laundry list of things that I've done. Right. Um, If, if the spirit prompts me to share some things to be very straightforward, then I'm happy to do that. Right. And Alma, a prophet of God is going to share some things and then he's going to end with his testimony of, of what he hopes now, right? Um, he doesn't want people to go through what he's going through. Some people will. Some people are going to be in his same spot. Um, but in verse 24 of chapter 36, uh, he's going to say, From that time even until now I've labored without ceasing that I might bring souls unto repentance, that I might bring them to taste of the exceeding joy of which I did taste, that they might also be born of God and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, 26, because of the word which he's imparted unto me, God, right? Um, Behold, many have been born of God and tasted as I have tasted and have seen eye to eye as I have seen. Um, And then if you skip ahead, or verse 27 is going to say it too, I've been supported under trials and troubles of every kind. Now this isn't, again, we, we talk about it a lot, but just a reminder, the Savior doesn't just help people with sin right? He's going to help people going through terrible times because of, insert so many things, mm-hmm. uh, loved ones, faith crises, uh, a move to Texas, a move to Philadelphia, and your kids hate you for it, <laughs> right? Uh, hard things that happen that you have no control over, that you did nothing wrong, and it's still causing you pain. And he's going to say, I have been supported under trials and troubles of every kind, yea, and in all manner of afflictions. God has delivered me from prison, from bonds, from death. I do put my trust in him, and he will still deliver me. Fast forward to chapter 38, um, verse 5. He's talking to a different son, Shiblon. I would that ye should remember that as much as ye shall put your trust in God, even so much ye shall be delivered out of your trials and your troubles and your afflictions, and ye shall be lifted up at the last day. My testimony is this, that the Savior heals all kinds of broken people. And we're all broken for different reasons. And some of us wear that on our sleeves. Some of us hide it really, really well. Um, But he wants us to come to him so that he can heal us. Were it not for my knowledge of this, I would be the most lost and broken of them all. I still am pretty lost. I still am pretty broken, right? I need him today just like I always have. 
Um, and that's not going to change. They're going to need him in the future as well. Were it not for this, boy, boy, that'd be sad. This is a little off topic, but I had a one of my really good friends. Um, I, maybe I shouldn't say his name, but uh, he had a daughter come back from EFY one year and said, Dad, why do they always talk to the sinners? Why do they always share examples about sin and repentance? And I think her point was, you know, we need we need to talk about the Savior helping people who who are just normal, mediocre sinners, right? Um, <laughs> and I, I like Alma's testimony. You're going to be supported in your trials, in your troubles, in high school, in junior high. You're going to be supported when you're a parent, when you're a grandparent. You're going to be supported when you want to be a parent, but you haven't become a parent yet. When you want to be married, but you're not married yet. Um, he is going to support you in those times um, just, just let him, right. Just go to him, let him support you. And he's going to be there. So good. So good. Well, Dan, thank you so much for being on this episode and for taking time to walk to your church building and get on internet when your internet, your house isn't working and to record okay. late at night. <laughs> and thanks to you to all of you that listened um, I, I know how this episode is going to affect you so uh, take it dive into your own personal study uh, hope that you have a wonderful study and a great week and we will see you next